For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. This is episode 92, and we are into season three of the show now. I'm just a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. So it's all happening. Um, I am joined, as always by my acquisitive co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Make sure you follow all of us on Twitter. You should know our Twitter handles by now, but if you don't, you can get them at the at Half Street High Heat account on Twitter. How you guys doing? How's your week? Uh, I mean, it, it's been like two days since I talked to you. So That's I true. Like, yeah. I always say, how was your week? But now that we're doing this twice a week, it's not really been a week. How was yesterday? Uh, Amanda, I, I must say, before we get too far, I must say you are sounding uh, extra crisp tonight oh thank you yes i finally dropped the money on a mic um that hopefully makes my audio sound a little bit better i know you guys already had yours so hopefully with all of us on a decent mic the sound quality will be pretty good it's just i love your dedication to the podcast that you'll shell out you know an exorbitant amount of money on a professional grade website before you buy you know just an 80 dollar microphone for yourself i know it is really silly isn't it but what are you gonna do but now i've done both so yeah so you know you're one step above ryan and myself but you know (laughs) we carry most of the weight in the podcast so i guess it evens out is that a fact (laughs) (laughs) ryan how was your week since we haven't talked to you in longer than Uh, yeah how was your scouting trip bud you know i'm in the trenches daily you know, Nick, Nick did some mud, you know, he was in the mud, but I'm in the trenches. I'm doing scouting. <laughs> I'm looking at competition. I'm doing things that no one else does. All right. Um, my week was fantastic. I can't really remember much except for the fact that I'm really tired of these freaking snow predictions being seven inches and I wake up and there's a dusting and then it rains. Like uh, we were supposed to get, they said we were supposed to get two separate snowstorms from today to Friday. And they said seven inches. And I was so excited thinking, okay, maybe I'll be able to stay home from work. It's freaking raining right now. And now the prediction is just one inch. I don't know why snow is so hard to predict. 
I just want a freaking decent snowstorm. We haven't had one since like, I, I honestly can't remember like what, 2009, we had all those blizzards. All I want is a decent snowstorm. Did you not get any moving. good snow last week, whenever that last one was? We had two inches and yeah. honestly, it was the most snow I've seen in probably like five years. We had like seven inches out in Winchester. <sighs> we had See, I, got, I got screwed. Yeah. That's because yeah. when all the snow plows drive by, they just push all the snow into Winchester because nobody lives there. That's probably they it. They know they're not in, interrupting anyone's lives. It's hard to argue with that kind of logic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. VDOT, VDOT told me. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah, well, other than the lack of snow, what made your week so fantastic? <laughs> yeah, Ryan, um, what made your week so fantastic? So gambling's illegal in the state of Virginia now. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> I had a feeling um, it was going to go there, but I was waiting to see because I was like, all that man talks about on Twitter anymore is gambling. Sort of a gamble, I guess. It was sort of a gamble, you know. Um, I won pretty big, except for tonight. I went max on. I, I just, I just need Luca to hit one more three, and I'm like sitting here watching the game. He's not shooting threes, and it's making me really upset. But no, yeah. Um, I did pretty well in the Super Bowl, so life's pretty good. I will say, you know, one of the, to, you know, tie into something we talked about a couple weeks ago, sports betting in Nats Park is going to make Nats games so much more fun. Like, yeah, sports betting is legal in Virginia anyway, so you have a little bit more invested should you bet on the games. But I can only imagine what it's going to be like once we're finally allowed back into the park. we sprinting safe. over there. It's going to be back and forth and, you know, Game five in LA is gonna like pale in comparison to what you know Wander Suero does in the sixth inning. <laughs> <laughs> it will change the calculus on everything. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm not much of a gambler. In fact, I don't gamble at all. But it does seem like something that would be fun if you were at a game to just like throw a little money on something see what Amanda happens. would be the type she's like is this good and she wins like you know 10 grand yeah she'll put like 50 dollars <laughs> on they'd be like I just like how that horse sounds and the horse wins like uh, a thousand to one long shot <laughs> yeah I just like that horse's name yeah that would be me and it's funny because I actually lived in Vegas for a while and I'm just not much of a gambler see know. I'm I'm too scared to go above like 10 dollars on bets because like I don't want to lose more than that because my thing is if I lose more than Chipotle burrito I'm gonna be upset but FanDuel had all these gimme bets. So I'm basically playing with house money and that's fantastic. And I'm doing pretty well. So if I lose this one tonight, I'm going to be a little upset. Yeah. Have you heard that 800 number they say on all the commercials? Like you have a gambling problem? Um, I place, <laughs> I place the parlay and the payout is ridiculous. I had to hit so many okays in there. And like that number kept popping up on each <laughs> screen that popped up. Nice. Yeah, nice. Somebody's uh, trying to tell you something. What was it? 588-2300 Empire today or something? Today. Today. That was a joke, but you know. Yeah, I got I it. It Empire, Empire Force. Yeah. 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 I got your joke. It, yeah, it was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got your joke. I just didn't it's, laugh. It's not my favorite 800 number, that's for sure. <laughs> <That's> that. <laughs> <laughs> and he redeems himself. We're good. And he <laughs> redeems himself. All right. Why don't we move on from that and talk about baseball, Ryan? You got a weekend review for us? We sorely missed you two days ago for the weekend review. It wasn't the same without you. Although I did pronounce Grand Marnier correctly. so You did. So speaking of redeeming yourself. Well, joke's on you. That's not in there this week for a reason. 
Major League Baseball announced that they made changes to their baseballs, which is pretty funny concerning the fact that MLB denied the fact for years that they were doctoring the balls. But today, they basically admitted it, and they're going to be deadening the ball back to how it was before they juiced them, so the original balls that pitchers are used to using. Major League Baseball also announced that players will have access to in-game video this year. This is a major step that they did not have last year. Many players complained bitterly that they did not have access to this and blamed some of their slow performances on no video. And also for the safety rules that the both sides agreed on, all players, on-field staff, and non-playing personnel who require access to the players at the ballparks must wear electronic tracing wristbands from the start of spring training until opening day. Players Players and staff will be disciplined and face violations if they take them off. They're also strongly encouraging players to get vaccinated when they can, but they're not required to. It will be also announced that they have updated their policies on sexual harassment and workplace discrimination in its code following several incidents off season. The new policies feature two initiatives designed to address and preempt incidents of harassment. They established an anonymous third-party hotline and the implementation of mandatory anti-harassment and discrimination training for team executives. Spring training dates have also been finalized. Pitchers can begin reporting by the 17th. All position players and pitchers must report no later than the 26th and will go through testing before arrival. The first spring training games will begin the 27th. All the Florida teams, however, will have different types of scheduling. They're going to be placed into pods on the East Coast and the West Coast. West Coast teams will play 28 games and East Coast teams will play 24 games. The East Coast teams will be allowed to have four inner squad scrimmages to make up for those last four games. To player news, Mets are interested in Justin Turner but are not close on money. Ryan Braun said he likes working out and hanging out with his teammates but is not interested in playing baseball anymore. Mood Marlins signed Adam Duvall, and they also created a GoFundMe for their staff. Don Manley donated $1,000 to it, and he also took a pretty sizable pay cut this year. Major League Baseball quickly took down the GoFundMe and made sure all the money was returned to those who donated. The Red Sox just traded Andrew Benatendi to the Royals in a three-way deal with the Mets. Mets received one prospect, the Royals receive Andrew Benatendi, and the Red Sox are going to um, receive five prospects for him. This has been your midweek in review, brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Make sure you stop on by or get curbside and make sure you get yourself the delicious chili burger. Their chili burger is topped with Chili's famous homemade chili. Absolutely fantastic. This has been your week in review. So before we talk, uh, ben and Tiendi to the Royals who are just going off. I just want to say that the biggest takeaway for me from the new policies about sexual harassment was the fact that are you telling executives didn't have to take any sexual harassment training before now? Like I was taking sexual harassment training as a peon in a tech company 20 years ago. How is it possible that executives at something as big as Major League Baseball have never had to take any sort of, not that you should need training to know not to be a douche like that, but it's incredible to me that they are only just now implementing that. I mean, because it didn't affect their bottom dollar until now. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. When it starts messing with the money and, you know, the perception, well, then you do something about it. I mean, God forbid we're proactive with one GD thing in this sport, but they're, they're going to be, forbid. you know, 
you know, they're going to be behind the curve and the least progressive sport in all of not just the four major sports, but all of sports. Hell, I, I feel like even NASCAR is more progressive than, uh, than baseball, which I mean, that might be a stretch, but it just it's it only might be, though. Yeah, it only it, might it's be just increasingly frustrating. Like that was my one big thing, you know, on uh, Tuesday's episode. So I won't go, you know, hash it out all over again. But this goes to show that it's not just in one facet of what they're doing. It's, you know, a systemic issue with, you know, not only just the way the game is played, but or the way the game is marketed, but how it's handled internally as well. So it's not going to change for a while. But I mean, I guess this is better than than what I was doing before. So that's something but can't really applaud them for doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, that's true. Okay, what do you think about Benintendi to the Royals? They are not messing around. Royals are building a pretty good young core. Um, Benintendi's been rumored to be traded for a while. It was just going to be what team is going to take that chance on him. He's only 26 years old. He has two years left of arbitration control. He needed a fresh start badly. He wasn't living up to his mm-hmm. potential and then Boston was growing increasingly frustrated with him. He had his good moments, but he wasn't the player that they wanted him to be. And both sides realized he needed a fresh start. I'm a little surprised it's the Royals. I thought he was going to go to a much better team. But the Royals are quietly building a pretty solid roster. And they've had a pretty good winner. Um, and if he turns into the player that he has the potential to be, the Royals can flip him and get a incredible return. So it's a pretty smart move by the Royals. When I it's first five saw the, prospects, yeah, five prospects, five players in total. Yeah, and the Mets being the third team. So I was concerned because um, I was on the phone, and then when I got back, like I saw all the the notifications from all the reporters about. I just saw the name Benintendi, and I saw the Mets were involved. I was like, God, like the Mets just traded for Benintendi, which, you know, isn't as big of a trade as it might have been, you know, a year or two years ago when Benintendi was like had all this hype around him. But I was like, damn, they're they're still doing something that the Nats aren't. And then I realized he went to the Royals, and I was like, damn, like the the Royals, you know, we saw them kind of be the – the the kickstarters to free agency with uh mike minor and didn't they sign another pitcher yeah they were i'm forgetting the name but i think so yeah but yeah they're making like they haven't gotten the hype though you know what i mean sorry to interrupt you but a lot of the other teams have had like the blue jays are doing all these the padres are doing all this but they've been like you said quietly is a good word to describe it they've been they've been making some moves yeah because they i think they had like two of the first three moves and then they haven't really done you know, anything major since, but Ryan's right. You know, they're making these, these young moves, excuse me, these, uh, these moves to build a young core. Um, and Ben Attendee, you know, like Ryan said, is only 26. So if he pans out and, you know, the Royals are, are competitive, then great. And if he pans out and the Royals aren't competitive, then you flip them and then you, you get even more for, uh, for him than what you gave up. So it's really a great move on their part. And I'm I'm all for these, you know, small market teams competing. Yeah, I like it too. I like the move. Okay, uh, let's talk for a moment about spring training, which is upon us, basically. I mean, by the time we, we talk again next week, it'll be days away. Um, super excited. Um, since Masson sucks the most, we won't be seeing any televised games for our nationals, of course, during spring training. But um, 
And I wonder if they're going to be on the radio. You know, in the past, you could listen to if you have the MLB if you have the MLB um, subscription, you could listen to the spring training games on the app. I wonder if we'll be able to do that this year. I'm not sure, but. Um, so pitchers and catchers are reporting next week. Um, all players must report by the 26th. Um, we talked a little bit a couple days ago about the new rules that were agreed to, which was the seven inning double headers and the run in second and extras. Um, no DH, um, at least for now. Who knows if they will, you know, come to some other agreement at some point during the season. And of course, no expanded playoffs at this point either. Although I won't be surprised if that happens. And also coronavirus protocols are similar, but not exactly the same as what they used last year. Um, they're going to be using the Connexon, I think is how you say it, devices that uh, the other leagues have been using, particularly the NBA and the NFL, um, for contact tracing. And that's hopefully going to you know, make a big difference and allow them to nip any outbreaks in the bud if they do happen. Um, and there's also supposed to be some increased discipline for anybody who does violate the guidelines. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm excited. I I really thought the season was going to be delayed this year, so I'm pretty excited that spring training is here. Um, it usually takes me a while to get excited for it, honestly. Like, everyone loses their mind about, like, pitchers are reporting, and especially as soon as the Super Bowl ends every single year, it's our turn. Like, no, it's not your turn yet, okay? Like, relax. Um, we'll see how it goes. If you look at how the NBA and the NHL are doing right now, Spring training might not go very smoothly. Yeah, but, I was yeah. just about to say the NHL not doing so hot. Um, I think of the American teams, all but one of them have a player on the COVID list, and like every single one of them has had a game delayed this year so far, and NBA is not doing much better either. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, again, it's going to be another learning curve. This year they have one season behind them, so if they have any issues, they should be able to get the kinks out pretty quickly. But I'm excited. No, I'm excited to see some type of baseball content in my life again. Yeah. Amen to that. Just give me some baseball. I don't care what it is. I'll take spring training. I'll take intra-squad scrimmages. I don't care. Just give me baseball. But, yeah, I, uh, I do have some apprehension about how it's going to go, given what we're seeing with the other leagues right now. And, um I don't know, hopefully these pods they're proposing will, you know, keep things to a minimum. But it still seems, I think the new rules, let me see if I can look up the exact, it said, outside of team facilities, players and personnel may not attend indoor gatherings of more than 10 people, dine at indoor restaurants, bars, or lounges, work out in gyms or other facilities not affiliated with Major League Baseball, or engage in any activity prohibited by state or local regulation. Now, that's great, except <laughs> they're in Florida. So nothing's prohibited by state or local regulation in Florida. Right. So I, I do have a little bit of like so just apprehension about how it's going to go and whether they're going to be able to do it, given how the COVID, I mean, the numbers are coming down right now, which is fantastic nationwide. But, you know, if they're, if there's a bad outbreak on one team, you're just going to have to cancel everything for that team. And I don't know, it just seems what we're watching with the other leagues is kind of an S show right now. So I think, you know, and I'm not even trying to be pessimistic, but I, I just think the MLB is going to be the worst of, uh, you know, as far as COVID goes of the four major sports for a couple of reasons. One, you know, we saw how it went last year and they kind of just threw it all together, mushed it together, and then got to the end of the season. They said, boom, you know, teams took on themselves to actually yeah. have stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, the, the scene in Endgame where you, 
Hulk goes, I, I view this as an absolute win. Like that's kind of how the MLB looked at the, <laughs> the, the, the lame excuse of, of a season last year. And this year, there's not really anything different aside from the contact tracing bracelets, which is like the least they could do. Right. Um, like they should have been doing last year and the least they can do. And they right. had a positive COVID test in the middle of the world, last game of the World Series. So yeah, think of that as a win, but they apparently. So um, like one other reason I think it, it's, you know, bad is MLB is unique in that it's series. Like the NHL is kind of doing something like that um, with, you know, two games and whatever, but MLB, it's all series. Like with the NFL, they had games postponed, but usually the, the team doesn't go to the away site until, you know, Friday or Saturday for a Sunday game. And then they're right back home. Whereas MLB, you're away for, you know, it could be 10 days at a time. So if you're not at home, you're going to go out and do other stuff. And that's the problem we ran into last year. Just players like uh, Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger is just not caring. The Cardinals going out to a casino, you know, it's, we're not going to just see none of that this year. That's going to happen again, because just of the nature of the sport, they're away from their home and families. And some people would do it anyways, but that's just the nature of it. You can't be cooped up in a hotel for 10 days straight. Like I get it, but I, there's also not strong enough protocols in place to really do anything about it. And we know, even though they claim to uh, have more severe punishments for violations this year, we know MLB is track record for, for punishing guilty parties. So. Yeah. And at many types something, of guilty parties. Something that's interesting to watch also is all like, the doctors right now and all the epidemiologists are screaming and circling the date March 28th because with all the new variants, they basically say that's going to be the peak of it, March 28th, which is absolutely fantastic because that's when baseball is supposed to start. So we may be in for Perfect. a really rocky beginning of the season. So I feel like we're going to see a kind of okay spring training and everyone's like, all right, we got this. And then all hell is going to break loose the first two weeks. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to take what happened last year. Major League Baseball won't do enough, like Nick said, and the teams are going to come up with on their own. Like, I think the Nats created, like, their own thing, and, like, all of them are staying in, like, a hotel somewhere or something. Like, all these teams basically did. It's going to take that again. But it's 162 games. Like, I don't know if you can, but it's all right. Positive vibes only right now. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I know. Me too. I want – I know it sounds like we're being so pessimistic. I'm just – I don't know. I have doubts that they're going to be able to get through it without COVID problems, but I certainly hope they can because I am so, so, so ready for some baseball. The, you know, and it's probably too late to do anything like this now, but they really could do essentially mini bubbles where, you know, if like, let's say the Nats had a hotel that they just, you know, rent it out for the season, which everyone, every owner can afford to do so. So it's not that big of a stretch. They rent it out for the season. And then whoever was in town playing them had that whole hotel. So players can at least, you know, go to the bar, go do other stuff and not have to worry about coming in contact. So sort of like a bubble, but I don't see why all 30 teams couldn't just do that for their opposing teams. Cause then it all works out the same. That would be my idea, but I, I don't get paid to make those decisions. So, <laughs> but it just seems yeah, like they could have done something like that rather than just say, keep going on. But if you mess up, 
you know, we're, you're going to get fined. Like, doesn't really help out the team as much. No. No, it doesn't. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. I expect there will be some issues. But, you know, when the Marlins had that huge outbreak early in the season last year, I thought I was certain they were going to have to shut down the whole season, and they managed to pull through it. So hopefully if, if things do start to go wrong, they can – The thing is you – know, Right did, the ship. did they really manage to get through it or did they just keep going forward? There's a difference. And that, well, that that's just sort of, I see what you're have saying. You, but... Have you seen meet the Robinsons long time ago? Um, the motto in that movie based off Walt Disney's keep moving forward. So MLB literally watched that movie and we're like, Walt Disney said, keep moving forward. So they nailed it off that. You're just hating. Boom. You know, the crazy Boom. thing about that is I would not put it past Rob Manfred, who's like watching that, you know, m- movie with a, his grandchild or whatever and saying, you know what? I like that motto. We're just going to implement it without any further thought. So, without, yeah, without thinking that through at all. I, I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. Manfred, it's funny to me how universally reviled Rob Manfred is and that he just gets to keep his job anyway. It's crazy. Like, I can't understand why the owners don't just choose another commissioner since everyone hates Manfred. Yeah, he's, I, I don't know how that process works. I don't know if it's part of the, um, you know, CBA to replace a commissioner, but it's just, but I also, as long as the owners are making money, they're not going to care because Manfred works for the owners. Right. So. But they could, I don't know. I just feel like Manfred God forbid is so... they help their game, Amanda. God forbid. Right, but he's just so bad for the game in so many different ways that it would, it would just, there are a lot of people out there who could do a better job. And it just baffles me that he just goes on blithely about his life every day and there's no, he never seems to even be on the hot seat. Ryan, Ryan's in the trenches every goddamn day. He could, he was made for this job. Made for it. That's it. Shaq for commissioner. Built different. <laughs> I feel I'm feeling a new shirt for the for the shop coming up. Oh, yeah, I'm behind on that. Where I've been slowly trying to get this website finished because everyone's waiting on me and my uh, my my internet's not cooperating with me. But well, it's I, I, coming I'm gonna, soon. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna work on you know getting the in the trenches shirt. Yes, in the trenches is a good one. I've got we've got a few good ones. We need to. We need oh to yeah. There. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Speaking of good stuff, Nick, why don't you hit us with the uh, the ad read for our fabulous sponsor? Absolutely. Fellas, you know, by the time you listen to us, I, I tried to warn you, but it's now February 11th. You only got a couple days left. But, you know, maybe, you know, your significant other is giving you a break. You're not doing something on Valentine's Day. Maybe you're doing something a couple days later. So you might be able to uh, to make it happen. But. Myself, Amanda and Ryan, and Manscaped trying to help you out. Support for Half Street High Heat is brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Bush tush, that's still a thing. But the big news is they just released their new cologne scent. Helps you feel good, smell good, all over, at all times. And, you know, if you smell good, you, you feel good. You look good, you feel good, but if you smell good, you feel good. They're trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. You need to join the movement. Everyone knows they have the, the lawnmower 3.0. That's life-changing. But you got to complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne. 
It's their signature scent. It can be your signature scent. Head on over to manscaped.com. Use promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. The fact that I'm having to tell you this over and over again is a red flag. Help me help you. Head on over to Manscaped. Buy a couple things. And if you haven't bought stuff already, buy a couple extra things because you owe us. All right? You got to buy you know, the complete package, the perfect package, if you will. It's a Manscaped pun. Head on over. Buy something. Thank me later. Your significant other will thank you. You will thank you. And you will thank me. Couldn't have said it better myself. Oh, I know. That's why I do the ad reads. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, if you haven't done that already, you better get on it because Valentine's Day is almost upon us. All right. Let's move on and talk a little bit of gnats specifically. Um, We are going to go through the off-season moves and give each one a grade, which should be fun. So when we post this on the show account, you guys can give us your grades too and tell us why you think each move was good or bad. Let's start with Josh Bell, which I would argue is probably the biggest move they made this offseason. Yeah, so giving grades for offseason is hard in February. It's fun. It's hard to give grades until, like, the end of the season. Um, Like, everyone thought Eric Thames was going to be good, but Eric Thames was probably the worst player I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It's bad. It's really, really bad. This this was their big move. At the time, I was like, this is a fantastic move. I liked it. I'm going to give them a B plus for it. But they kind of put all their all their eggs into it, um, which is fine. But you got to hope and pray it's the first half of 2019 Josh Bell. If it's the second half in 2020, you're going to be in the world of hurt. But the good news is you didn't really give up anything for him, and it's fine. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving it a B plus. It was their biggest move. I like the move. I think he's going to be pretty good this year. I think being in the real lineup is going to benefit him big time, and he's not going to have to be the guy in this offense, which should help him. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see what Josh can do, and I give him a B plus, as I said. Yeah, right, I like Nick, that. What you got? <clears throat> I'm going to give him a B plus as well. Um, you know, one of my first reactions once the trade happened was, you know, certainly hope, like Ryan said, it's that first half of 2019 Josh Bell. Because that was some fierce. It was an all-star campaign due to it, and he wasn't much of an all-star afterwards. Um, but just being in a team, the Nats have had many struggles. You know, take out 2019, we're looking at this team a lot different. Like I understand you can't take out 2019, but just for this hypothetical, take out 2019, and you are extremely frustrated with the Nats. But to their credit sometimes good, sometimes bad, they have never rolled over, right? Even when they are very clearly out of it, they still believe they're contenders and competitors. So you got to give them some credit. Whereas a place like Pittsburgh, you know, May 1st comes around and they're already looking at, you know, how much money they can save and who they can sell off and, you know, how out of it they are. So insert Josh Bell to a team that views himself as contenders and he has a little bit more, you know, oomph, uh, in his, you know, dog days of summer, you know, stride that he can continue on with his toward pace. So that's certainly what we're hoping for. And, you know, like Ryan said, we didn't give up a lot for him. He's super cheap these next two years that he has left on his deal. So 
and assuming he can just provide like solid, good enough uh, play at first base, I'm fine with it, and I don't really see a downside to the deal because this is something we really needed. Uh, like if we had gotten a third baseman instead of a first baseman, we'd sit here saying, "Oh well, we, we still need a, a power first-handed or first-based bat." So you know, it it did feel a fill a major need for us. So I don't really see how you can give it that poor of a grade. Yeah, I like uh, a lot of those points that you made there. I was kind of I'm torn between giving this like a B plus or an A minus. I think. Obviously, it will look more like an A if he performs, but giving this a February grade, I think, based on the potential that's there, and you made a great point, Nick, that, you know, he's going to be on a team that is hopefully going to be in it, or at least trying to be in it, and I I imagine it's extremely difficult to maintain any motivation when you're on a team that doesn't care, and the Pirates clearly just haven't cared in a while, And, and so I really hope that we can see him take some of that and have it push him back to where he was at the beginning of 2019 and see some of that performance that he had then. Uh, I don't think you can count on that. So that's why I wouldn't give it an A all the way around. But yeah, I'm like a somewhere between a B plus and an A minus on this move. Um, I do think it filled a major need. I do. I, I like that he got somebody cheap so that even if it really doesn't pan out, you don't really have to feel like, Oh, well this, this is a disaster because we thought we got this guy thinking. Yeah, exactly. So to me, if, if they had given up something major for him, I'd be giving this move like a C, a C plus B minus, because I would say, you know, that you can't count on him being what he was in the past and you shouldn't have given up so much, but given how little they gave up and how cheap and controllable he is and the potential that's there, I think it's a good move. I like it a lot at the time. I really, I remember us all talking about this just better not be the bat they think is going to hit behind Soto. And here we are. Yeah. The bad so, thing behind that also dings it for me a little bit, which pushes me more into like the B plus range rather than the A minus because, but that, that actually, I, I don't think I will ding it for that now that I'm thinking it through because that's nothing to do with this move. I want to look at this move in a vacuum and it's a good move. So I like this one. I, I wish they had done something additionally, but that doesn't reflect on this move. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk Kyle Schwarber. So Josh Bell, that one when it happened, that moved the needle. That one you're like, all right, that's a good move. You know, it's going to be a good offseason. It filled a need. Um, Kyle Schwarber on paper fills a need, but Kyle Schwarber is not really a move you can get really excited about. Like I, I became Schwarber Shack because I thought it was funny and it was a joke. But now <laughs> he's on my team and now like I'm not too thrilled about it. I would have liked it more if he was – the DH. There's no DH. It's fine. He's been playing a lot of field. Their defense is going to be terrible. That's fine. If he's going to be hitting 30 home runs, I'm okay with the deal. The problem is I don't know if he's going to. How much of the boost did he get from playing at Wrigley Field? How much did he get from that huge wind gust that took it out um, to right field being a lefty there? We'll find out. Um, it doesn't really move a needle for me. I don't like the fact that he's going to be hitting fourth for the team. I'd much rather him being hitting fifth or sixth. They really need another right-handed bat, but he's on the Nats. And, like, it just doesn't move the needle for me. So I guess I'll be, like, a C-plus or B-minus. Like, it's on paper fills a need, but it's not a move you get excited about, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm right there with you um, because, like I said on the last episode, they did – 
address one overall need with this lineup, and that's power with Josh Bell and Kyle Schulberg. You're at the very least getting power from them. You might not be getting on base percentage or OPS, but you're you're getting power. So that's you know one area at least they they addressed. My problem with this though is look at the, what the Cubs did, right? So Kyle Schorber was one of their top prospects for a long time. The most notable thing they ever did was they said no um, for trading him to the Yankees for Rolls Chapman and instead traded Glaber Torres. You think the Cubs are regretting that now. So um, rather than re-signing him and trying to, you know, throw more money at a sinking ship, they did what the Nats should have done. Kyle Schwarber signed for $10 million and the Cubs got the exact same player in Jock Peterson for less money. Right. Why and didn't we just go get Jock Peterson? And that's what <laughs> that's why I can't give this this move that good of a grade. I'm probably at a C plus because why not just go get Jock Peterson for less? They're the exact same player. Uh, I mean, I don't have Jack Peterson's numbers in front of me, but I would imagine he plays a little bit letter, little bit better left field. So that's why that that's my biggest problem with this move is why didn't you just do what the Cubs did and save money to get the exact same player? That's literally what baseball is about. That's what every team tries to do is replace the production with, you know, players that can do so cheaper. That's what Moneyball was all about. That's what the Nats tried to do with after losing Rendon with, you know, Castro and Cabrera and all these people. That's literally the name of the game. And you got shown up just now. So that's my problem with it. I don't hate it, but like Ryan said, it doesn't move the needle. So I'm not going to get too excited about it. Yeah. I, all I can think of is maybe that Davey liked Schwarber and wanted him specifically since they had a pre-existing relationship yeah. there that's yeah, the that only thing that really makes thing. sense to me and one last thing so ryan said yeah if he was a dh this move looks a lot different maybe at the time rizzo wanted to strike on him and thinking there would be a dh and that shorter would excel in that role like maybe that's why everything happened the way it did when there were still other candidates on the market at the time um and then obviously dh never came so Maybe, but I don't know. Just as it stands now, it's not that great of a move. Yeah, I still don't know. To me, that I, I was giving, I'm just giving this a C. It's fine. I mean, C is average, right? Like this is a fine move. Like it, it does increase power. You know, you're not, you're not getting anything that, you know, if you thought about Schwarber a few years ago and what everybody expected him to be, you would expect this to be an, ex, an amazing move. But the way it's right. all played out, you know, it, it's just fine. I don't know. It doesn't like. I don't want to use the same phrasing, move the needle, but that's a really good description. Like, it's just like, okay, well, good. We needed to do something and, you know, that improves the lineup somewhat, but it's not a, it's not a great big deal. And I would have preferred Jock Peterson, but. C's get degrees. They don't win division titles. Right. Well, we'll talk a little bit later about the, uh, <laughs> the thing that came out about the Nets finishing second. Anyway, hmm. let's move on and talk about the next off-season move we're going to grade, which is John Lester. I know you guys were not feeling thrilled about this at the time. What are I'm you still, I'm still not. I, <laughs> I don't like the move. Like, I know it's a one-year deal, and there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. I just, I don't like the move. I will be pleasantly surprised if his ERA is under five this year. I 
don't think he has it anymore. And like, it's fine. He's a four, but like, I don't know. I just, I just don't like it. Like, I feel like there's other options they could have gone for cheaper. And I know they said like they didn't really have a budget and they had a lot of holes to address, and they did. And Davy has familiar. Uh, he's familiar with him. He's gonna average six innings, which will help the bullpen. I just don't like it. And what strikes me is the fact that he's 37. So now you have a rotation that's 36, 31, 33, 37, and Joe Ross turns 28 soon. That's old. I don't like that. I just don't like the the lesser trade. I don't really know how to grade it either. Um, so like I'm just my grade is just gonna be I don't like the deal. I don't like the move. Fair enough. My so like you're never gonna be upset getting an innings eater, but and we we've talked about this before, but what the Nats say and what the Nats do is not congruent. They say there's no budget. They say that they're going all in and trying to get another chip and, and, and all this stuff. But then they go and sign John Lester, which a couple of years ago, freaking awesome. But now you're just like, why is John Lester still pitching? <laughs> that's kind of, you know, the, the, the taste that's left in your mouth and the thought in your head. It's just like, yeah, I guess it's fine, but why is John Lester signing with the Nationals and why are the Nationals signing John Lester? Like, it's just not congruent with the team that supposedly thinks they're they're competing. Like, yeah, he's going to eat some innings and that's fine, but there's no point in eating innings if you're giving up five runs in six innings. That doesn't make much sense. So it, it's, it's a move. It was cheap. It was a one-year deal. So that gives you some points, but... I can't imagine Lester being a significant contributor to what we're aspiring to be in 2021. So I guess see if I gave Schwarber a C plus, I'll give Lester a C minus. Just it, not a congruent move in my mind. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, I'm going ahead and giving this a C as well. Um, it's, I guess, okay. Like, I, I think to have a fourth starter who you know is going to give you consistently six innings is uh, that's got some value in itself. Hopefully, his ERA is, is not five, um, but we'll have to see what happens with that. But as long as all I would want out of him at this point is he's a number four. If he can just give you a chance to win and not give up so many runs that you're out of it by the time he comes out of the game, like I'm fine with that. You know, you could do worse for a fourth starter than somebody who's going to get you to, you know, to your seven, eight, nine guys. So I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm not quite as down on it as you guys are, but you know, it's just an okay move. And because it's a one-year deal, I feel like if they're really, the Nats are really, they suck and they're out of it by the trade deadline. You know, you could see if you can get anything for him from a team that needs a starter, maybe is dealing with some injuries or something. And, you know, if you're in it, you know, maybe you can be a buyer and find somebody better at the deadline. So I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's an okay move. They, they got another starter who can, you know, pitch deep into games and that's got some value to me. So I'll, I'll give it a C. I just wish that if they were going to do a one-year deal for their four starter, why not get someone with some more upside? Why not get a Taiwan Walker who is young, can bounce back from his injury that plagued him last year and, you know, has like I said, upside, like why not do him? And he would be reasonably cheap. And I understand Corey Kluber wanted to go to the Yankees, but why not get someone like Kluber who's a little bit younger and 
or you know Oda Rizzi. Like, there's just so many other options mm-hmm. that were cheap, not as cheap as Lester, but just a few million more. And then they're I, not spending that money anyways. Yeah, but I still feel like they're trying to set up for next year as opposed to really trying to compete this year. Which goes but if, to your if point it's a one-year not- deal, then it, it works out the same anyways. You're still set up for next year. Yeah, and that's why when they signed Lester, I kept thinking, well, obviously they've still got, they've still they're planning more moves because they're trying to go really cheap here. So what are the other moves? And of course they've got hands now, and you know they still have what fifteen million left. Yeah, and I know they probably want to keep a little bit of flexibility for bonuses and you know for if you have to sign somebody else and all of that, but you've still got this glaring hole where you need another right-handed bat. And I cannot believe that they're just going to go into the season and be like, Oh, that 40th roster spot, people are going to compete for it in spring training. That said this last time we recorded a couple days ago is there's nobody who's going to be at Nats camp that I want to be the 40th person on that roster. You need to go out and get somebody else to be in that lineup. Who's a scary right-handed bat. So if they really were planning to do one more move and they just got, you know, outbid or, uh, didn't come to fruition, whatever it may be, go and sign another starter. You still have money left to play. Just go and get depth, move Ross to the bullpen, say bye to Voth and Fetty, and try to shore up some depth in that space. Like, yeah. again, it's just not congruent. But Justin Turner's still say. out there. Yeah, so that's the one we're holding out hope for, obviously. And if they do that, then kind of everything falls into place a little bit better. But as it stands right now, it's like, what are you really doing? Yeah, it's a it's a uninspiring move, that's for sure. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of Brad Hand, let's talk about him next. He is the next person on our list. How do you feel about that move? You know, we I go from a move I don't like to a move I do like. Yep. Um, Brad Hand's great. They needed a lefty reliever badly, and they got a pretty good one. Um, Brad Hand is probably the best closer and reliever this team has had he could pitch in any type of role his fastball velocity has declined a lot but that's okay because he has an absolute filthy slider that makes up for that and it's a fantastic move i like it he can be used as a closer he can be used as a setup guy he can come and get you two innings he can do anything and everything high leverage lower leverage the man can do it he also has playoff experience he's good um one year deal 10 million Sorry, like 10.5, they paid like 500,000 more in for that and said if like they claimed them when he got DFA'd. Fantastic move. Um, I give it an A. It's my favorite move that the Nats made this offseason. Yeah, it's an A. Like, you know, they needed a, a left-handed relief pitcher. They didn't have one, and they went out and got the best one available on the market. You can't give it anything less than, than an A. Yeah. Can't agree more. It's an A for me too. I mean, it's like, that was my exact point was you needed to fill that hole. You went out and got the very best guy available. What else is there to say? Yep. All right. Let's, let's move on to something different than that, which is Alex Avila. So Alex Avila, everyone laughs at, but he's a backup catcher. It's that he's familiar with, I think like four of the guys on it just for that alone. I guess I'll give it like a B minus or C plus. Like it's an average move. Backup catcher, you're not going to get excited about. But Max texted him, like Max was texting him before he signed. He was talking to some of the guys after he got signed. There's people on this rotation who are used to pitching to him, and that means a lot. Mm-hmm. You're, they're familiar with him. They're comfortable with him, and that does go a long way. So for that, I am going to give it a little bit of a boost. 
people are going to laugh at because it it's Alex Avila, but I think it's fantastic because I said they're going to sign him way back yonder. So I'll give him a B just because this rotation knows him, and that does have a, you know, that does mean something. Yeah, so I was going to give it a B, um, and the points Ryan outlined are, are fantastic, and I love that you know Max and others are have some familiarity and comfort pitching to him because that means a lot. Um, even like someone as <laughs> novice at pitching as I am, I, I love having the catchers that know my stuff. So I can only imagine what it's like when you actually do that for a living for millions and millions of dollars. And like, look at the U Darvish deal. He literally only, th- that deal only happened because Darvish's personal catcher was going to San Diego with him. So it's not an uncommon thing. So I like that it ha- it, you know, is happening for, for Max and the staff. But I got to take away points because the Nats social media team tried to hype this up with, you know, this hype video that was the worst hype video I've ever seen. And they used, uh, what was the, 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 you know, outrageous stat, like the number of pitchers he's caught on the staff or something like that. And it yeah, was seven. and the Fox, the Fox graphic was from like 2002. Yeah. Like it was so old. It so was I, awful gotta take points away from that so i'll give it a b minus even though that that's <laughs> not alex it has nothing to do with the all, move of course but, but that just pissed me off to no end so gotta gotta take my frustrations out fair enough all right well i'm giving this a b minus um i like the fact that he does have the familiarity with the staff that is a huge thing and a great thing in any catcher backup or otherwise but here's the reason I'm docking it a little bit is he's not really a backup catcher because Jan Gomes isn't really, they're going to platoon them. So this isn't going to be a true, here's your catcher and this guy's just a backup. He is going to see a lot more action than that. I think just the way the Nats have platooned catchers for the last few years, they it's haven't really had any. Games. Yeah, maybe I don't know if it's going to be 80, but maybe he's going to see in a 162 game season, maybe he's going to play 50 games. You know what I mean? Like, no offense would, to Alex Avila. I don't want to see Alex Avila for 50 or 60 games. Like, and I think point. we're going to. So that is why I give this a little bit of a lower grade, maybe even knock it down into a C. But I, uh, I don't know. They needed another catcher, so they had to do something. But this isn't the thing I would have liked to see them do. Yeah, in his defense, I think anyone outside of JT Real Muto and James McCann, we would have given this grade to. So it's not anything on the move itself. It's just it's a backup catcher or a platoon catcher. Like, there's not many great options out there. There's only like five good I wanted them to go baseball. get Wilson Contreras. He wants to play here. I know. I know. Yeah. So anything that wasn't Wilson Contreras was going to make me sad. So, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the last one we're going to talk about, which is Mr. National himself, Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. So, I mean, this one, everyone saw it coming. Uh, like, it, it's... I don't know if you can really give it a grade because there's just more of a extenuating circumstance to the signing. Zim is what he is at this point in his career. Like he had some great moments in the playoffs because it meant a lot to the franchise, but he didn't have a great postseason, if that makes sense. Um, and, you know, now we're two years removed from that and he didn't play all of last year. Which, who knows, maybe it helped him because it's a year off from the foot yeah. and the shoulder and and whatnot. So maybe it will help him and he can power through. Because he's not that old. Right. Yeah, but injuries take a toll. It, he, 
it's not just how old he is, it's how he, old he is in baseball years. He's pretty old in baseball years. So, you know, maybe a year off will do him some good, but he means a lot to the franchise. We give him a lot of grief, but that's just the way we are. Um, so I'll give it an A because uh, give again, it a Z. <laughs> again, I, I, I like it. I like it when uh, franchises do right by their players, and this is that. So I'd be a hypocrite if I if I gave gave it a, a, a other grade than an A. Ryan, no, I mean I got nothing else to add. You knew who's coming back. Um, loyalty does mean something, even though I don't think loyal, loyalty should be in sports. That's just because I'm built different. Um, yeah, I mean, they brought him back. Same thing as Nick. They did the right thing. I know fans want to see him when fans are going to be back. And yeah, it was it was a good move for the fans and also doing right with them. Yeah, I actually like this move too, just especially it was very cheap. We, asked, we all knew it was going to be. It's a million dollars. It's one year. You know, you can't really argue. And the guy can still, at least when he played last, can you know, can still be productive, especially if he's not playing every day, he can contribute. And if he's not contributing, I see probably some sort of mid-season retirement or a phantom DH stint or something to, you know, put him on a 60-day DL to get him off the off the book. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to let him, they're not just going to not sign him. They're not going to let it end that way with him. And I really do think he and the fans deserve a better ending than you know, what happened with 2020 yeah, with him also- not playing and us not being able to ever give him a send off. So I do, I respect it. I respect that they're going to do the right thing with a player who's meant so much. And I know that you, you can't pay him a lot. You can't guarantee him a spot in the lineup. You can't do that to the team. You still have to be competitive and do what's right for the club. But I think there's a way to have Ranger and be part of this team and still have it work for the team. Yeah. It's also much easier to give it an A, uh, when he's coming in coming back to the right scenario for him there's an established everyday first baseman who is a switch hitter in front of him and he can platoon play every third or fourth day and only really match up against lefties because that's who, who he does better against so he's coming back into the perfect situation for him so that makes it a little bit easier to swallow yeah all right so we all like that move okay next segment is going to be fun Brian, you can do in fair or foul? Yes. So in case you guys don't know, fair or foul is a monthly segment we do here on Half Street High Heat. I'm going to ask six questions. If they agree with it, Nick and Amanda, they'll say fair. If they disagree, they'll say foul with a quick one sentence. Why? I'm going to ask six questions. Three of them are about the Washington Nationals, and three of them are going to be about the NL East. You guys ready? Ready. All right. Fair or foul? The Pakoda projections today of the Nats finishing in second with 85 wins ahead of the Braves is accurate. Foul. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair. No, just kidding. It's a freaking foul ball. It's a foul ball right back into the the catcher's net. Like, this is a foul as it comes. I mean, it's one thing to say second, because you could be like, yeah, maybe, but second with the Braves finishing behind them? Come on. Yeah, like 85 wins isn't a huge stretch, like 92-93 is, but yeah, just the fact that they had the Braves right in fourth, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's insane, and I don't think 85 wins is going to win second in the NL East this year, but... No, I don't think so. All right, so foul all the way around on that one. 
All right, fair or foul. Robles is the key to the national success this season. Foul. Josh Bell. Yep. Um, yeah. I take that back. Pitching staff health. Mm, that's a good one, too. I think um, the, the the new additions to the lineup producing the way they can is going to be the key. If the new guys can, you know, be like we've talked about this many times, how we're counting on everybody to basically be the best they can possibly be, which isn't maybe the best gamble. But I think if we get if we get great production out of Schwarber and Bell, that's going to be a much bigger deal than, you know, Robles, who's going to be hitting at the bottom of the lineup anyway. You know, I'm going to say fair because even with these two additions and Schwarber and Bell hit, they need one more and they're going to need it to be Cuban or Robles. So I'm going to say fair, but moving on fair or foul, the age of the nationals pitching rotation will be the downfall of this team. Oh, Hey, look at that. Mm. That's fair. You think the age, I'm not going to say, I'm going to say foul because I don't think it's just the age. I think it's going to be health. If well, they can stay which healthy. Which is a direct association. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but not a direct association. Age. But like Strasburg missed a season with Tommy John when he was young. I mean, it's health. It's not. Age certainly doesn't help with health. But I think age alone isn't going to be the downfall. It's going to be whether they can stay healthy, which age doesn't help with. Well, you have two guys who qualify for uh, Social Security benefits. So it certainly doesn't help certainly doesn't help all right moving on to our nl east questions fair or foul the national league east is the best division in baseball fair going through all the other the divisions in my head i don't think there's another division with four legit contenders and maybe five i mean i feel like we say this every single year and every single year the nl east is just a one team race <laughs> that's uh, a good I've, point I feel like it'll be competitive, but I feel like the NOS is better just because the Dodgers and Padres. Yeah, they're, yeah but they only have two competitive teams. Yeah, yeah. The they're probably two the two best teams. teams. <laughs> right, but that doesn't make them the best division. The best I mean, division the is NL the East, one where all of the – who has the best five But then teams. you can go to the four teams in the NL Central minus the Pirates, and they're always neck and neck. But are they the best? No, because you can win that the division with 88, 89 wins. Right. So it's like it just depends on your iteration of the argument. I'll say fair just because if any of the top four in the East got, you know, first or second in the division, I wouldn't be surprised. So I think that that kind of qualifies. All right, moving on. Fair or foul? The Braves bringing back Marcel Ozuna does not make them better than the Mets. Hmm. Foul because, oh, wait, does, does, does not make, not make I'm going to go so fair. Fair because they were already better than the Mets. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, the Braves are the best team in the division on paper, certainly going into the season. So I think Ozuna makes them better, but that's not the move that made them better than the Mets. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. And our last part of fair or foul the Phillies are the sleeper team for the division. Fair. Fair. I'm saying fair, fair. Well. Like, yeah, the Phillies are, um, you know, they have, we always keep up with the Mets. We could do a keeping up with the Phillies segment as well. But in the first half of 2019, the Phillies were the best team. And then the Braves took over. And, I'm, you know, I'm not saying 
I'm not calling for that again, but if we're talking about a sleeper, it would not shock me if the Phillies won the division. Just no. wouldn't. I would call the Marlins the sleeper team for the division. I wouldn't. They're for, really bad. Yeah, that I don't yeah, know. I, I, I don't. don't know. I just don't think the Phillies have it. So here's a stat: last season in 2020, the Phillies had held lead in 49 of the 60 games. That was the second most in baseball. They also had the worst bullpen in MLB history last season. They made several key additions to their bullpen. So if the bullpen holds, Phillies could be a sleeper. All right. I guess we shall see. And they have been trying to, their bullpen's still not great, but they have been trying. So who knows? We'll know soon. I guess we will. We will indeed. Okay, that's it for fair or foul. I always like that segment. Um, it'd be fun to watch how it all plays out. So that is pretty much it for us, except for our one big thing for this episode. Um, Ryan, why don't you start us off? You know, I, I had an epiphany the other day. I was doing research, and I realized something. I was like, we know the ins and outs of every single major league baseball player contract. We know how much they're going to make each and every year. We know how much of it is going to be um, put off. We know after they retire, we know how much they're going to make for at bat. We know what their incentives are, what they need to do to hit their incentives. We know every single aspect of it. We know what information is like forbidden. It's like the forbidden fruit that we're not allowed to know. Baby Martinez. <laughs> Team revenue in league revenue. League revenue and team revenue is projections. MLB refuses to release that information. And I just think that's so funny. And it's more the crap that owners do to control the media narrative and always pin stuff on the players. And I think it's so interesting that no one questions the owners for anything like, oh yeah, they lost so much money. They have to cut it back. Well, it's like, well, when the league, uh, when the players asked, they didn't hand over the revenue. We don't know the revenue. Everything's just projections. I just think it's interesting how the owners will put out every single scrutiny and detail of a player's contract. But when people ask what the revenue is, they're like, oh, that's private. We can't talk about that. You're not supposed to talk about income. And I just think it's really interesting. It's more stupid crap that the billionaire owners do to like get away with not spending money. And it really bothers me. I like was realizing that how Every single time we see like, oh, this team made this much money last year. It's a rough projection that random people are doing because the league refuses to acknowledge how much they're actually making. And that really bothers me. And that's yeah. my one big thing. Is that. Nick, what's your one big thing? Sorry, I had to run to plug in my laptop before it died. Um, this podcast is better with Ryan, and I, I miss when he's not on it. That's my one big thing. That is your one big thing. Hey. Well, that is undoubtedly true. Undoubtedly true. All right. Nick well, my, said it first. <laughs> my one big thing is um, to talk about our Black History Month. The feature person this week is Bob Gibson who is um, being honored by MLB Network. Um, they honored Hank Aaron last week, which was timely given his recent passing. Um, next week's going to be Lou Brock and then Joe Morgan to finish up the month. Um, if you have MLB Network, um, you should certainly check out a bunch of their, um, their great features they're doing. I've been watching a lot of them, and they're fantastic. Um, Bob Costas did a thing Monday, I guess it was not today's Wednesday. Yes, two days ago. So it was on Monday. Um, taking a look at Bob Gibson's whole career and his life and 
know, he had two Cy Young Awards. He was the NL MVP in 1968. He won two world championships with St. Louis and had some of the most iconic pitching performances in the World Series of all time. So make sure that you check that out. And uh, that's my one big thing. We got anything else before we get out of here? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you to all of you who are listening. We appreciate you as always. Um, This is our second episode of the week. So we will be recording again next Monday and have an episode out for you on Tuesday. We are hoping to have our website launched tomorrow and ready for you guys. So we will tweet that out. It will be. It will be. You can announce it now. Okay. No, I'm going to wait. We'll announce it via Twitter when it's all ready. I'm how little faith you have in me it's not no it's not a lack of faith in you it's just i want to make sure it's all right and it looks good because i have been pouring my heart and soul into getting a website ready and i want it to be perfect when we launch it so hopefully it'll be ready tomorrow as soon as it is we will tweet it out and let you guys know uh, but it's going to be awesome we're going to have our videos there from the new rundown with half street high heat youtube channel there's going to be some great um blog content out there we've got um our blog coordinator monty and our three new writers who are all going to be posting new articles. So it's going to be your new go-to every day to get your NAS content. We cannot be more excited about it. So we'll get that to you tomorrow. All right, guys, have a great week. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later let's go Nats we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's go Nats we're gonna score for score we're gonna win for sure so call your local congressman we need another monument the Nats are rolling on the win for old D.C. let's go Nats by the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.